Church, it's Pastor David here. I'm so glad to see you uh, gathered together as we continue to worship Jesus and to grow in his grace and his love towards him and towards one another. Hey, I can't believe that it's only a couple more weeks before Easter season. Uh, we've been in the Lenten season. Maybe some of you have been um, celebrating that and participating in that as we lead up to Easter, Palm Sunday, a couple of weeks away, and then uh, Easter comes. And I really hope that you are going to engage with us and join us in the ways that are working and beneficial and uh, safe for you. I'm excited today to begin just a short series about uh, life together, doing life together. And uh, let's pray together before we open up God's Word. Jesus, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the, the rain that you've given us here in Northern California, the snow up in the mountains. Uh, just a reminder once again of your provision, of your grace in our lives. And that picture that you give us in Scripture of the rain being the Spirit of God coming down upon us. And I pray that as we hear you, as we listen to you, that your spirit would come down upon us now, that you would challenge us, that you would give us open hearts and minds to hear from you. And as we do that, that we would grow in love with you and, and um, loving the people in the world we, we are around. Um, thank you so much for meeting us in this time. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I've been thinking about the church, and the thought that comes to my mind is, is that the church is just a big, beautiful body of Christ. And as I was thinking about that, I reflected on uh, Paul's letter to the church in Colossae, the city of Colossae, the New Testament city. It was a church that actually Paul really didn't start himself. It was started through Epaphras, um, who had heard the message of Jesus through Paul and then gone back to his city and had shared that message of Jesus with the people in his city. And then people turned to Jesus and came to Jesus. And Paul wrote the, the, the church in Colossae a letter, um, what we refer to as the letter of the Colossians. And let me read to you at the beginning of Colossians, Paul's uh, greeting to this group of believers. I'm going to start in verse 3 of Colossians chapter 1. It says, We always pray for you, and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. The same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. And as Paul reflects in these beginning words to the believers in Colossia, Colossa, that he reflects the, the power of the gospel to bring transformation and change into people's lives. And, and the fact that that's something that is going on and was going on then and continues to go on throughout the whole world, that there is a transformation of lives that is taking place. And that those transformed lives make up this big, beautiful body of Christ. 
And through my years of following Jesus, I've had some extraordinary examples of that taking place. I remember one of those examples was as a 22-year-old leaving Oregon, and it was at Oregon State University, and beginning an exchange program to study in Australia for a year at the New South Wales School of Business, Institute of Business. And when I was going over there, I stopped in New Zealand along the way, and I went to to Auckland, uh, flew into the city of Auckland, and I was a very unseasoned (laughs) traveler. I was a kid from a town of 500 who went to Ashland, Southern Oregon State College, uh, my first two years, and then to Oregon State in Corvallis for the next two years. I was not an urban dweller. I was not a seasoned traveler at all. And I was going to do the hostel, you know, thing. Um, And uh, when I got to the youth hostel to stay there, it was all full. But I saw this poster on the wall. And the poster on the wall said something like, you know, a Christian couple wants to meet you and gave a phone number. And something in my brain said, "Um, okay, that is an invitation for me to stay stay with you. So I call them up when I figured out how to use the payphones because they were different than the payphones in the United States. And um, it took me a long time to figure that, that piece out. But I finally call them. Somebody answers the phone and I say, you know, my name is David Cook. I'm from America. I just got here in Auckland. I saw your uh, poster, your piece of paper in the youth hostel and I don't have a place to stay. Can I stay with you? (laughs) And um, which I think, you know, now is a pretty bold, you know, move. And they actually said yes. So this was a youth with a mission couple. She was from Germany. He was from Auckland. And then there were three other people who were living in the house, and I show up with all my stuff, and I end up staying with them for about seven days. And uh, one of the housemates um, delivered candy to little convenience stores around the island. He gave me a ride in his truck, and I traveled around the island of Auckland, and we talked about the things of Jesus. And it was a picture of this big, beautiful bride of Christ. I also think about uh, going to Ethiopia. And uh, in Ethiopia, traveling out into some of these the more rural areas where the, we were doing discipleship, and I was with Esaias, who was leading the discipleship movement in Ethiopia at that time, and now is leading it um, throughout the continent of Africa. And uh, ending up in this, this small village, a really small village, and we found the home of the woman who was the women's Bible study leader for this local fellowship, this local little church. And it was about lunchtime, and we ended up in her front room, and uh, she gathered together some eggs, which is probably all that they sort of had um, to eat. And uh, we sat in the front room of her home, which also was the bedroom uh, for somebody in their home. And in looking over at the table, there on the table was a little Gideon Bible in Amharic, um, the language, the trade language of of Ethiopia. And and, and we were able to enjoy fellowship. She didn't understand English. She couldn't speak English. Um, I didn't understand Amharic. I couldn't speak Amharic. But through the people in the room, we were engaged in this fellowship that the big, beautiful body of Christ revealed itself and was evident. 
And sort of at the same time, uh, one of the members of our group was Sam Ferrand, who's a part of the, the ministry team here at Cold Springs Church. And she was in another part of Ethiopia. She was in the northern part of Ethiopia. And uh, unbeknownst to me, as I'm having my lunch, she is engaged with in a Bible study, a women's Bible study, um, in the northern part of Ethiopia with this gathering of women. And uh, in a completely different context. And you can see a picture there of uh, that the, the places that they live were literally um, huts, mud huts that had grass roofs. And this was a group of women who were studying the Bible together. And then later, uh, Sam, being the adventurous woman that she is, um, sharing uh, some sort of beverage from a tin can <laughs> with some other people from the village. And it was the big, beautiful body of Christ. Or the time that I was in Mozambique with a group of disciple makers um, who were gathered together. And uh, Moab, who, was a, who is a Christian uh, leader in Egypt, leading the discipleship movement in Egypt, um, wanted to serve me Turkish coffee. And so we were sat in his uh, hotel room there that we were staying at, and he made me Turkish coffee, uh, which I think uh, made me not sleep for the next three days. <laughs> but here's the, an Egyptian uh, Christian leader, and we're in Mozambique where a group of disciples have gathered together. I'm from California in this hotel room sharing coffee, and celebrating the love of Jesus Christ in our lives. And so when you look at those words of Paul, where um, he says, this same good news that came to you is going out all over the world, that that is still happening today. Life together, doing life together, this is, this is something that is, is critically um, central and foundational to what it means to be the people of Jesus, of doing life together. As I was thinking about this, a, a book came to my mind. A book um, was written by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a pastor in Nazi Germany. And uh, he wrote this book in the late um, uh, 30s, I think in 1938, 1939. And he begins his book, uh, this book, Life Together, from uh, Psalm 133, verse 1. But I'm going to read the whole psalm because it's only three verses. It says, A song for pilgrims ascending to Jerusalem, a psalm of David. How wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head that ran down his beard and onto the border of his robe. Harmony is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. And there the Lord has pronounced his blessing, even life everlasting. How wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters live together in harmony. When we experience unity. You know, 1939, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a pastor under Nazi Germany, under the, the reign of, of Hitler. 
And he, was, he wrote this book, Life Together, to give instruction on what it looked like for Christian community. And he was engaged in equipping and training um, pastors to lead the church in Germany at this time. And he was an outlier because at this time, Germany was a nation that was tearing itself apart from the inside out. And the church was being compromised by being co-opted by political ideology. And Bonhoeffer stood against this movement in the church, and he was bearing the prophet's voice of calling Christians to repentance for supporting and going along with the whole Nazi regime, and also to turn, calling them to turn to Jesus and the truth of the word of God. And it was that stance that would eventually and ultimately cost him his freedom because he was arrested and thrown in prison. And then shortly before the fall of Hitler and the Nazi regime, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was executed. You know, he, he wrote this, this letter, he wrote this, this instruction, this book about life together in challenging, encouraging the church in that time to experience and to live in authentic community, biblical community, Jesus-centered community. And it's a word that is so critical and important for us today that we live in a time of disintegration of community. And one of the, the most obvious and visible um, pushes on that and experiences of that has been the challenges of the pandemic and the COVID through, throughout the world and this isolation that has happened through the different safety protocols that have been put into place. And whether people have agreed with them or not agreed with them, it doesn't really matter. It's impacted and affected our ability to experience relationship and fellowship with one another. And then tied to that has been all the politics and all the political movement and all the, the, the turmoil that has gone around that and in other issues within politics. We've had the heresy of the, of the QAnon um, within, on the right side of things. We've had the heresy of subjective truth um, where we each get to determine our own truth, um, undermining biblical thought or authority and truth. Um, on, the, on the other side, more the, the progressive or liberal side of things. But there's also been these internal forces that have been pushing apart and pulling uh, community apart within the church. Uh, the internal forces of, is this convenient or is this not convenient to, to be gathering together? Uh, the, the issue of priorities. I have to be totally honest with you. There was, so for me in my life, I mean, the rhythm of, of being a part of church and gathering together on that rhythm, I mean, that's a part of my vocation. It's part of my calling. It's a part of the thing that, that I, you know, facilitate, encourage people to do. And during the, the, the time of the, the pandemic and where we we're just doing online services. And, and so, you know, I was engaging with my wife, Pam, um, in our home to our online service. I kept having these thoughts of like, well, I've got, you know, I've got some yard work to do. I'm wondering, you know, should I do go to church, go to church or should I go do yard work? And I was like, oh, that's, that's the decision that many of us are making, sort of game time decision, is, is that what's my priority at this point? What am I going to do at this point? Am I engaged with Jesus? Am I engaged in the community of faith? Or are there other things that are pressing that I'm going to do instead? 
There's also the internal uh, forces, particularly in this time, but this, this is something that has always been there, particularly when we deal with the church, is the, the internal forces of disappointment with people within the church or leadership of the church or the direction of and decisions of the church. Um, not only disappointment, but just outright disagreement. There have been people who have left Cold Springs Church during this time, uh, and some have left because we didn't go back to public services soon enough, or we, you know, stopped doing um, public services. We just did online services, and there was a sense that that was wrong, and so um, we were compromising in that way. And there are people who have left Cold Springs Church because we started back in services too early and that we um, are compromising people's health and we are, are, are being careless. There's these beliefs within this. And, and it, so back and forth within those, those internal um, voices, those internal forces are pushing apart community with the disagreement and the disappointment that we experience and this, and this, this loss of connection, this loss of community, is is well um, is well documented culturally of what has been happening over the last year. Not just the church, but our our ability to be in community and connect. But the church, I believe, is is essential um, in in central in its importance of providing the. The, the strength of the fabric of our of our community, and so some of the things is that drug deaths have have increased, and one of the things is that they're saying is is that people are are using drugs um, by themselves because they're isolated, so there's nobody there to watch you know them or intervene when they ha- have overdosed. But overdoses have have greatly increased. Drug and alcohol abuse has increased. Domestic violence has increased. Domestic terrorism within our nation has increased. So we've seen that recently, and we continue to see that. Mental health crisis has has increased. The the amount of depression, the amount of ang- Anxiety, the amount of challenges that people are facing in their emotional lives, in their mental lives, is, is, is huge, is significant. And I was talking with a friend of mine, Carl, here recently, and, uh, who was a student ministries pastor and a discipleship pastor and down um, in community down in the Sacramento area. And, and where he was talking about, they've been trying to gather together uh, people within the therapy world and within the school world and uh, within the church world to provide resources and support for students because they're seeing that there's um, greater uh, acting out like um, uh, physical cutting um, that students are engaging in of drugs and alcohol, of depression. And even in talking to my wife and to other uh, teachers that there are a number of students who were A students who are not who are like C students or D students now because of having to do school in isolation. I mean, we've experienced that even in our own home. The, the challenge of trying to to be educated and to educate where everybody is a homeschooler and trying to work and trying to manage all of these things. The pressures are tremendous. And you even, you know, I even think, you know, okay, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all, the Pledge of Allegiance, you know, that, that central line within there, 
that is said, one nation under God, indivisible, with the liberty and justice for all. And we have to really, I have to really question, is that really operative? Is that true? You know, um, from 1937 to 1998, church membership remained um, relatively constant at about 70% of the population was engaged in some type of church membership. But over the past 20 years, that number has dropped precipitously. That now it is um, less than 50%. And at the same time, uh, the, the, the number of what is called nuns, N-O-N-E-S, um, atheists, agnostics, and those who claim no religious affiliation whatsoever has grown to over 25% of the population. That there's, a, there's been a huge shift that has happened outside of just what we've been going on in this last year. And what, a, what, what I would say to you and say to us as the people of God is, is that we have to remember and I want to sort of challenge you to encourage you that community life together it matters being in community being in the rhythm of engaging in intentional relationship with one another it matters it's important in Genesis chapter 2 right at the beginning of the book um it is the second um, creation story, or actually the first creation story, Genesis chapter 2, uh, verse 18. Um, sorry, it's the second uh, creation story. And in, in verse 18, it says, Then God um, said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper for him who is just right for him. And so the, the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky, and he brought them to the man. And so the, the story continues on. Is, is that God says, saw Adam. He says, it's not good for Adam to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. All these animals were made. Nope, not suitable. And then woman was created. And from the very beginning, when we look at, that, at the, the creation story, what we see is, is that we were designed and created for community. We were designed and created for relationship. And so this whole idea of social distancing, in fact, um, somewhere along the way, many people changed that to say it's not about, we can't social distance, we need a physical distance, but don't social distance because we were created for socialization. We were created for relationship with one another. And then in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, um, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, uh, the writer of Hebrews gives these instructions to us in verses 23. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Verse 24, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Community keeps us grounded. Community keeps us connected to one another and connected in our relationship with God. Community Life together is essential if we are going to 
know Jesus and know uh, and be able to love one another deeply. You know, if you just look at that Hebrews 10, 23 through 25 passage, it says, you know, motivate each other. Community motivates each other. It's a way that we can help each other to live the life that God calls us to, to love one another. It's the context within which we meet each other's needs and our needs are met by others, where we love one another, where we do good things for one another, where we serve each other, where we go beyond our own self-interest and we look to the self-interest of others, where we encourage one another. That that's what happens when we engage in community of all of those things. They're so critical. They're so important. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, Life Together, here's a couple of quotes that are important. He says, the physical presence of other Christians is a source of incomparable joy and strength to the believer. A source of incomparable joy and strength to the believer. And then, life together is again being understood by Christians today as the grace that it is as the extraordinary aspect, the roses and lilies of the Christian life. And that roses and lilies is a phrase that Martin Luther used that Dietrich Bonhoeffer is quoting. The roses and lilies of the Christian life. Do you see community? Do you see being in relationship? Do you see being with other people as that fragrant beauty as represented by roses and lilies. Gathering together is, is the core of our strategy for Cold Springs Community Church. And so, in fact, it's one, the, the very first thing we talk about, gathering together. And, and it's also a reflection of our core values as a church, is that one of our core values is this, of doing life face-to-face, shoulder-to-shoulder, back-to-back. That our conviction is a deeper life with God happens through a deeper life with each other. We place the highest value on personal relationships and doing God's work together. That we know that the life of Jesus is a life that is lived in community with one another. And our priority at Colson Church is to move us all towards a life of, of faith face-to-face, of doing life um, face-to-face. I mean, that's one of my passions. I talk about it with the, our ministry teams. Is that how, how can we move people to face-to-face? Because that's so important is that we engage in that personal relationship. Because that's where we were made to live. That's where we best grow is in that face-to-face, in that personal relationship. And, and um, within that, that, that core part of our strategy of gather together, what, what we say is that we gather together for creative, engaging worship experiences and engaging culturally meaningful um, biblical teaching. And so... So all of that is critically important. Um, this gathering together is, is how we express ourselves. And, and I want you to, to know, is, is I'm not talking about, it's like, hey, bigger, but the better. You know, we've got to get big. In fact, really, when you look at what we move towards, is that the, the most important thing is, is that we engage in uh, meaningful spiritual conversations. 
And that those one-on-one conversations, those one-on-two, those small groups, those discipleship, those relationships are the face-to-face. And one of the really cool things that we've experienced here at Cold Springs Church during this time is is that even though um, our Sunday morning attendance hasn't uh, been um, great in numbers, we have almost 200 people who are engaged in life groups, either physically face-to-face or online face-to-face engaging in this life together that I'm talking about. And my, you know, my desire, my goal is, is that that would, be, that would be something that every one of us, every one of you who is engaging in, in, in my teaching right now, is, is that you would be engaged in that, you would be a part of that. But in order for that to happen, In order for us to experience life together, to have the unity that the Bible talks about, is is that we have to keep Jesus at the center. Let me uh, uh, read to you from the book of Galatians. Galatians in the the New Testament, one of Paul's letters to the uh, letter in Galatia. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 28. He says, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. We need to keep Jesus at the center Jesus is the one who brings unity beyond all other things when we put Jesus first. Again, Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, Life Together, he says this, Christian community means community through Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ. There is no Christian community that is more than this and none that is less than this. Whether it be a brief single encounter or the daily community of many years, Christian community is solely this. We belong to one another only through and in Jesus Christ. Jesus unifies us. Jesus unifies because through him we experience two things. One of the things we experience is sanctification. Now, sanctification is this ongoing process of becoming more and more like Jesus, where our character is transformed into the character of Christ. And in sanctification, the emphasis is not on others of what they need to do or who they need to be. The emphasis is upon us, of us being conformed to the image of Christ. The other, the other thing that we have in Christ is, is we have sanctification and we have service. And in Christ, we see the people around us as the focus of God's love and therefore our love as we extend ourselves to meet the needs, needs of those around us. Sanctification service. Every other ideology divides because the focus is not on our conformity to Jesus. It is on their conformity to my point of view or to the ideology that I hold to. That's why politics divides. It's all about you need to conform to this ideology. And it also 
the service of other ideologies is self-centered and self-serving to support the ideology. But in, in following, when Jesus is at the center of sanctification and service, sanctification of our uh, character being conformed to the image of Christ and our service being to show the love of Christ in the world. Life Together, again, by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he says, the more genuine and the deeper our community becomes, the more everything else between us will recede and the more clearly and purely will Jesus Christ and his work become the one and only thing that is alive between us. And that is why, you know, through the years, what I've always sought to do is to point us to Jesus, that we would focus on Jesus. If we have a difference of politics, if we have a difference of, uh, of class, if we have a difference of 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 income, if we have a difference of education in the, the mind of Christ, that does not matter because we look at Jesus and we are followers of Jesus. We are worshipers of Jesus above all. And when we put Jesus first, I can go to New Zealand and I can go and, to st and stay with a, a Kiwi and a German couple. Um, Sam can go to the, the farthest reaches of Ethiopia to literally a, a, a mud house with a thatched roof and sit with a group of women and do Bible study. That I can go into a village where a, a women's Bible study leader feeds us lunch, giving us probably most of the food that she has for the day. And there is joy and there is unity because it's Jesus who is at the center. And so there's some questions I would like for you to consider. And one of the questions is this. What will it cost you to be in genuine community with others? What will it cost you to be in genuine community with others? Are there some expectations that you need to release? of other people? Are there some, is there some forgiveness that you need to extend in your life, in your heart, towards people who have disappointed you or people who have let you down or people you've disagreed with? Is there something that is getting in front of Jesus that is keeping you from engaging in authentic community where you need to put Jesus first? So the second question is this, is that what will you do this week to live out more fully Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25, where he talks about don't neglect meeting together, where we are motivated, we love, we do good, we encourage. How can you, where are you going to live out? What is it something you're going to do to live that scripture out in your life? And then finally, the last question is this, is what is your plan to engage in intentional community? Because you know what? If there's not intention and if there's not a plan in what we're doing, then there's no movement and there's no activity. So what is your intentional plan? How are you looking as things begin to open up, as vaccinations take place, as, as we shift back into a new normal, 
which will be different than this old normal and definitely different than the normal before COVID hit. But there, there will be more community opportunity. What is your plan? What is your intentionality within that? And what I would encourage you is, is that you can engage in life groups. That We've started a thing called the virtual lobby, which between the first and the second service that, that we have a, a way for you to connect with uh, people in a virtual lobby like you would here if you were physically in our, in our building to have conversation and to talk um, about the things uh, that are going on. We have Alpha, uh, our online. There's a home church that we are experimenting with that Pastor Nick is leading and Megan are leading um, of a, an expression of, of community. So what, what is your plan? Talk about that with somebody, about your plan for connecting to community. And then come back next week, because next week we're, I'm going to uh, continue this series about doing life together. I'm going to talk about what does it mean to honor one another in life together. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you, when you were the, at the center, is, is that you pull all things together and you hold all things together. Thank you that you have that power, that you are greater than our brokenness, you are greater than our uh, passions, that you are greater than our divisions, that you are greater than our culture. Lord, help us to figure out how to put you at the center and to live with you at the center of this community of Cold Springs Church that you would be the most important thing and that you would be at the center of our marriages, of our families, of our fellowship, of our witness in the world. Lord, bless us as we put you in the center. Give us the strength and the courage to look to you and to follow you. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.